Hello, world. Welcome to the Speed Strength Show. I'm Tommy. I'm Braden. And I'm Jay. If you had one piece of equipment to train yourself or a client, what would it be? Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> Just one piece. Just one piece. Kind of rolling in from your from your last episode. One piece. Like is one so one piece would be like a barbell and that's it. No weight, yeah, no clips. No weight no on it. Oh, no, 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 no clips. Well, clips don't no, matter. No, no yeah. weight. <laughs> if you got if no you're weight, picking no barbell, yeah. If you're picking barbell, that's all you got. Forty five pounds. Wow. Oh man, that is tough. <laughs> that's tough. I'll get the ball rolling. How about I help you out a little bit? Uh, for me, it's a TRX. Just super versatile. Uh, you can do your whole body. You know, you can you can take it up with you. Um, for me, that that's what it would be. My yes. instinct was to say weight vest. I know it's maybe right now, like with the Rona and like the idea of like equipment and stuff like that. I don't know if it'd be the best for a client, but I'm going to go on the assumption I can remove the weight, throw it in the washing machine and, you know, make it sanitary. But my first thought was a weight vest just because of the versatility around that. But then you get some external load. Yeah. Those are both really good, really good ideas. This, <laughs> this question really takes me out of my element. Yeah. The power <laughs> lifter doesn't know what to do if he only has yeah. an empty barbell. I haven't not used a rack for anything <laughs> in so long. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. I mean, the TRX I think is a really good, really good answer. Cause yeah, you can do literally anything with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Outside of that stuff, like that's like I guess the the first things that come to my head is probably like bands. Bands are really easy to do a bunch of different stuff with. Um, if we're talking one piece, like would you count a cable machine as one piece or like a Kaiser machine as one piece? Sure. Yeah, that counts. For Ooh, sure. That's a good idea. Okay. So yeah, probably, maybe something like that then, because I think if that's you can do. I mean, maybe maybe it's not as versatile in terms of the orientation of movements, but you can load them a lot differently. So something like that, I think, would be worth the consideration if money's no object. Yeah, I mean, you can load a squat, you know, holding the put it at the bottom handles and load a squat. You can do a lot with with the cable stack for sure, and, and you're getting more load variation, right? So. Um, Nice. That's a good one. Now that's tough. If you were stuck on a desert Island, that might be tough for <laughs> uh, trying to pack that thing in a suitcase, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Cable's good with you. Bring it around yeah. your car, <laughs> portable Kaiser. Like, yeah. But yeah, the Kaiser, the, the Kaiser is a good idea or the cable just in general. Yeah. Just, yeah, there's a lot that you could do with that. Yeah. Throw it in the back of your truck and you can take it anywhere. It depends on the size of your truck. I suppose that's true. You need like a, a UPS truck. Take it everywhere with you. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go with like a, like a 50 pound kettlebell, Tom. To me, the weight vest is more versatile. That's, yeah. I mean, I love my kettlebells. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm, I'm restricted to one. Mm. So even here, like I have four kettlebells and it, yeah. it allows me to get like a decent amount of stuff done. But if you made me just pick one, I'm always, I feel like I'd always find a shortcoming. If I, if I go heavy, then it's great for swings and goblet squats and other things like that. But there's no way I can press like a 40 kilo 
kettlebell overhead or something like that. Right. But then if you go on the lighter end, you can get the upper body stuff done, but then the swings and all that other stuff, it doesn't challenge you enough. So that's why I went with the weight vest. Cause I figured you can load up some sort of push up, pull up row, anything you can grab onto and, and pull yourself and with a pistol squat, you know, if you need start loading it up or jumping or anything like that. So I just thought the versatility is, is greater with a weight vest than a singular kettlebell. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's sometimes if you pick in one weight, it's too light for something and too heavy for something else. Right. So that's why you're always usually having a couple kettlebells, even if the, if the weight, the weight difference is, you know, you don't need a every two, two kilogram weight increment, but you take a bigger jump, but yeah, you, like you said, it's tough to press something. And then if you can press it, it's way too easy for lower body work. So, um, yeah, I love kettlebells too, but yeah, it becomes, if it's one piece and one shot, yeah, you have to have some adjustment to the weight, but, but also uh, versatility and movement. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm biased to agree with you on the TRX because we trained with that for what, two summers? <clears throat> Yeah, and I and it worked. think I still think you have mine. I still think mine is with you somewhere in the basement or somewhere. I, I don't know. I I lent it to you and I don't recall getting it back. So that's I all definitely brought it back to you because I, I brought it with me to Montreal <laughs> and then I brought it back to you. So I I, okay, I had two and now I have one. That's all I'm me, saying. If I, I had, had it, I'd be using it. Believe me. <laughs> if I had it, I'd be using it. And I don't know how it would have made it out with me to Alberta because I didn't like yeah, like I said, trust me, if I had it, I would have told you that I stole it because I was using it for all kinds of stuff. We'll be <laughs> popping up on Instagram videos. You'd be like, Tommy, where'd you get the TRX? I'd be like, I don't know. You found it. That's funny. So I'm going to go on the record and say I did not steal your TRX. <laughs> like on the record, on air, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, the other one that's coming to my, my head now actually is, uh, a tire, like a big, Ooh, big yeah. tractor tire as we, we, I've, I have one in here at the house and I've, um, there's been times where that's the only option and it's, it's interesting to get creative with that stuff. Cause you can do, um, different, like pressing variations. Like it's, again, it's hard. You can really only load it in one way, but you can do like pressing and squatting and hinging and different kinds of things and you could drag it you know, if you're strong, but it's, it's not as accessible for clients, probably, you know, you got to have a pretty solid base to, to get it moving. Yeah. It's the, and it kind of will act as a box step ups, maybe mm -hmm. um, box jumps or jumping into the middle of it. Um, you know, it does give you some put the foot on it for the rear foot split squats. Like it, it gives you some versatility that way. Uh, as well. Um, but yeah, like you said, you need a requisite level of strength mm -hmm. to even budget in the first place because those things are huge, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> How heavy is your tire, Braden? Have you I ever weighed it or do you have an idea? I have no idea. How heavy it okay. is, but it's, it's one of the big, big tractor tires. Like if you stand it up, it's probably almost as tall as me. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's a, that, that's a, a tire that would require that base level of strength then. Yeah, yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. Like, it's the same kind of – I remember playing high school football and, you know, when you 
start playing, everyone wants to try to flip the tire. The coaches tell you to try to flip the tire and stuff, and no one can do it until you're, you know, a few kids in grade 10 can do it. And then by the time you're in fifth year, then most people can do it. But yeah. It's usually a team lift in the beginning. <laughs> like the one kid will go to try to budget and it won't go. And then a second kid will jump in. Then it usually takes like three or four of them to kind of get the thing yeah. to actually go up and over. Yeah. Yeah. When my rugby team was doing it, we did like a circuit kind of thing with it. We're like taking turns, flipping it down and I flipped it by myself. And then there was like two medium sized people that would do it as a team. And then three smaller people that would do it as a team and and then just rotate that way. Yeah. A lot of fun with the tire personally anyway. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as you bring up some of the other ideas too, Jay, like if it's a big enough tire, you can start to put your foot up on it or your hands up on it and stuff like that. So you can use it, use it in ways that I guess would be more unconventional. Cause I'm sure if you just say tire, everyone just goes, Oh, you can do tire flips and that's it. But I mean, you can get creative with, with that stuff and do all kinds of different things and, and work other exercises into it. So especially if you're in a jam, if it's the only piece of equipment, I feel like you will find a way to work other things into it because you don't have the luxury of, you know, a library full of different tools and, and pieces to play with. Yeah. I think that's a good, uh, almost like challenge for yourself as a performance professional is like pick a piece of equipment, one thing and do a workout and see kind of what, what movements you can explore. What could you do? Could, do you have the creativity or to create a full body workout with, just a barbell or just a single kettlebell or at a certain weight. And, and for some exercises, again, maybe you change the tempo to make it harder, but other things, maybe you add speed to, because it's the kind of a light for that or whatever. So, but, you know, it's an interesting exercise um, in, in fostering your creativity as a, as a practitioner. Right. I feel like that's something a lot of people have been having to do like through the closures and stuff is to experiment with, with different stuff. And I know for me personally, like the athletes that were able to continue powerlifting at home had access to like a rack and a barbell and weights and stuff, but that was it. So how do you do different accessories? And, um, you know, the, the, I liked, I like pulling, uh, or sorry, programming pull-ups a lot of the time in the gym. Like that's one of my favorite upper back exercises to, you know, challenge the lats and stuff. And outside of like, it's really easy to do rows and stuff with a barbell, obviously, but doing any kind of vertical pulling is a little bit more challenging. So I found myself programming uh, lat pullovers a lot, which I never, you know, I wouldn't reach for that exercise normally, but mm-hmm. sometimes that's all you have, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's the hardest. That's probably the hard. I mean, Tommy and I've talked about it through the, through the pandemic. That's the hardest movement to, to replicate at home is that vertical pulling. So how do you figure it out if you don't have, you know, one of those door frame pull-up bars? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, those door frame bars, those are suspected best, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, especially the weight of the person too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, we have to get super creative to replicate or go to an exercise that maybe we thought was, you know, maybe didn't have a place before was like maybe bodybuilding or, or a certain sector only did it. And it's like, well, that's all we got. So we have to go into some of these other movements that maybe we, 
wouldn't do otherwise because we had the facility or the equipment to to not worry about it, right? But yeah, that that that's been the hardest one is, is the vertical pulling. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess sort of like in these episodes, me and Braden are forced just to pull ideas from one another. But sometimes we have the the flexibility or the privilege of having a guest that we get to pull ideas from as well. So today's one of those episodes. We have another person uh, jumping in on the call. So we have we have Jay uh, here today, and I'm super excited personally to have Jay on the show. As a he coached me, he has worked with me. He's a friend. I speak very very highly of of Jay. Uh, you can go back to episode two if you want to hear a little bit about kind of where we first you know, started coaching together and things like that. Uh, Cause he's definitely a huge influence and mentor of mine. So I'm super stoked that you're on, you're on today and we get to chat to you about, about some basketball stuff. So I don't know if you want to take a couple of minutes and just let the audience kind of know a little bit about yourself and, you know, maybe how you got into basketball and why that's kind of your, maybe your focal point right now with like performance work. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. I, been listening to to all of the podcasts that you guys have have put out and and have seen the it grow and and you know bringing guests and, and talking about some really cool things and so um you know really humbled that you asked me to be on um yeah Tommy and I obviously go way back from from uh, your high school days even um, so I got the BR shirt on today <laughs> never worn it but I figured I got to break this out for the the episode oh. with Jay. Yeah, so I mean that's how we first met, but I, I kind of got into um, you know training and performance like most strength coaches in, in high school. Played football and ran track, and and wanted to just you know be better as I entered my you know grade twelve and and OAC grade thirteen at the time. Um, you know after disappointing finishes to the season before, right? And so you know when when that's uh, fueling you, you you do what you can through the summer to try to improve you know I had looking back it's like I had no idea what I was doing I was you know working out in, in the garage or my friend's house or we had a little um you know uh bench press set and, and, and stuff in my basement and, and it was just what you know what my dad told me or what my uncle told me or what um you know friends had told me and, and it was rare really you know um, not really performance training. It was, you know, bodybuilding and it was, um, you know, isolative muscle work and things like that. And, and, you know, that, that grew into, into understanding that, that this could be a career for me working with athletes and, and working in performance and, and, uh, went to college and, and, and pursued that. And, um, you know, have been fortunate to work at a few, um, OCAA institutions and college college institutions, and now currently at Abbott Master University, um, leading the men's basketball program there in strength conditioning, which um, you know is super exciting to be just with one team after spending most of my career with multiple teams um, and multiple sports. Obviously, that's important. It lays the foundation um, for some of the things that I draw upon, but to to really kind of sink your teeth into one one team and get to know those, you know, we have 11, 12 guys right now. Um, get to know those guys individually a little bit more than you can when you're dealing with 100, 150 athletes, right? So, um, 
you know that that's been really great um to be to be at mac over since october um and actually it's my second go around at mac i was there in 2012 to 2014 um working with the football team and and with some other um high school programs that they had so it's uh, it's been nice to get back and see some of the changes um as far as getting into basketball um you know that happened you know not on purpose i wasn't searching out um you know to be involved in basketball um you know obviously when i was at humber we have a very prolific uh basketball program there and and so that became um you know, part of my role as we hired more coach, uh, coach strength and conditioning coaches and were able to split teams up. Um, you know, I had I had basketball and softball, baseball, and the other coach, Joe, had volleyball, um, rugby, cross country. And, and so that allowed me to focus a little bit more, as I said, into that smaller group of, of student athletes. And then um, one summer, um, the national program uses Humber College as a practice facility for camps. Um, in the summertime and, and previously I wasn't employed at Humber in the summer. My, my contract just went academic term. So, so I would go home and not really be back on campus all summer. So I didn't really know that they were even using it, but one summer, you know, our, our, we got a new athletic director, our contracts got extended through the summer. So I was on campus and team Canada was practicing the junior national team. So the under 18, 19 team and their strength coach um, couldn't attend that summer. He, Josh Ford, who had, um, just taking the job at University of Guelph at the time and and couldn't come. And so, um, you know, one of the staff members at Humber is also staff of Canada Basketball and said, hey, we have a guy, said to their to the coach at the time, hey, we have a guy who, who could probably fill that role. So uh, I talked to the coach. Josh and I are, are pretty similar, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. And, um, you know, that transition was really easy and that, um, was my first experience with, with Canada basketball. And, and I was you know fortunate to be back every summer with that team or the, or the age group below that. Um, and that really kind of piqued my interest and, and started down this path of, of understanding the game and, and what performance uh, means at that, for basketball and, and what some of the shortcomings are of, of young basketball players, you know, in that age group, 14, 15, 16, um, you know, and open some other doors. Tommy and I worked together uh, with the Junior Academy program, which is grade six, grade seven. We worked a couple of years of that. And so, yeah, that's, you know, I was ready. You know, I had made a good impression when I was there that first summer and, and that kind of carried on. Um, you know, it's been five or six summers um, being involved in the, in the national program. So that's kind of how that, that, that panned out. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, as I said, very fortunate to have a basketball only position because um, it's not very common uh, in the CI in, in new sport. I also work in a private facility as well. Obviously, like um, the, the few hours a week I'm with the basketball team doesn't doesn't keep the roof over in my head. But I work at a private facility in Guelph with high, high school athletes, um, you know, active adult population. We have a group, you know, adult adult group and and some youth teams as well. So, so I'm there a few a few nights a week, few afternoons a week uh, as well. Yeah, I actually didn't know that you had had to cover for Josh, and that's how you got involved yeah. with. Uh, I didn't yeah. know that, even though we had worked together with with CV. So that was, but I knew they trained out of Humber, so that would make sense that, you know, you're right place, right time, and then, boom, you get the yeah. the opportunity to do that. So, 
Yeah, that's super cool. I didn't actually didn't actually know that. Um, yeah, it definitely helps when when you you know if you have a similar if you have a similar st- a training philosophy as, as someone else and, and they can't attend something, then that puts the, the sports staff at ease, right? Like Josh and I are not super different, and so if they you know they have been used to Josh for a couple summers, then it was an easy transition. So that helps as well when there's a even if you know them or don't know them, there's just that that ease of transition because your philosophies may be similar, right? So, um, as I said, it was it was fortunate uh, that I came in, but also you know I was I was similar to Josh, and that that helped as well. Your similarities to Josh, um, like sort of in the the philosophies and things like that. I'm sure your philosophy of working with basketball players and and what you want to do with them to make them better probably comes from the way that you've looked at and sort of figured out the game or the needs analysis, let's call it of, of basketball. Me and Braden have talked in past episodes, uh, probably all of them about, you know, you have to understand the sport or the activity and, and what's going on in order to best do the training. And we always kind of talk about it in a general standpoint, but now we have the opportunity today to talk maybe specifically about, basketball so what are some of the things that you're looking for or that you see in the sport of basketball from like a needs analysis perspective that maybe even is a little bit unique too I think most people can watch the game and go oh okay you got to be able to jump to lay up or dunk or block and they change direction so you have to be agile but I feel like anybody can watch the game and see that what are maybe some of the insights you can give people with spending years and years with the game where you go, okay, these are, these are underrated abilities or needs that pertain to the game of basketball and influence how you train them. Yeah. I, I think the, the best definition uh, of the, of the sport came from, from Travis Knight, who's the strength coach at um, Gonzaga university. And, and I attended a conference and, and he put up kind of his definition of, of what, exactly that what's the kind of requirements of the game and so but you know his definition was uh basketball is an open skill sport it has many visual requirements there are a range of different time pressures and perturbation is a common experience and and when he said that it was like a light bulb went off like yeah that's that's the game you know that there's so many things happening within the game as far as as far as those um, kind of key pieces of that statement, right? Visual requirements. Not only are you obviously trying to put a ball in a basket, and, and depth perception is is so important, but also where where the nine other players, right? And and where are they moving, and how fast are they moving, and how much space do you have, and how much space is getting taken away, and and so your brain is trying to process all of that information through that system, right? And then, you know, the time pressures automatically we think about the shot clock, right? Like, you know, that's obviously right away something that jumps out if you think about the time pressure, but it's also like, like I just said, like how much time do I have before that guy is, is right on me or how much time am I trying to take away from that other person or, you know, those type of time pressures, the windows, uh, you know, to, to see, you know, your, your open man are super small at the higher you get. So can you see that? Can you read that? Can you make that decision, right? And then can your body express that, whatever you're trying to do in that time that you have, right? And so, you know, that's super important. And then that perturbation piece, and 
happens all the time. There's always constant contact, whether you're running through the key and someone bumps you, whether you're going, obviously, again, the, the obvious is, you know, uh, a situation where someone goes to the basket and they get fouled, you know, obviously, okay, there's contact there, right? Like, that's obvious. The whole the whole arena will see that. But what they don't see is is when you're cutting through the lane and someone bumps you. And so does that bump really disrupt where you were trying to go in the time you were trying to get there? And does that bump disrupt the other four guys or five guys in your system? And now everything in that wheel, in that cog wheel is disrupted now because you got bumped off your line because you couldn't deal with that perturbation that happens a thousand times in a game. Right. And so, you know, are we, are we looking at this, at the game in that way? That, that was, that's probably been the best. And I use it in presentations. You know, I, I told Travis that when he said it, that was probably one of the best definitions I've ever heard. Um, and then you, you have that general concept. And then you think about what's your style of play and, and, and what level do you play at and what is your competition? Like, you know, some conferences play a certain way, some other conferences play a different way. And so are you preparing your athletes for that, who you're playing against, the style you want to play um, within those things that I just mentioned before. So that, you know, all of those things go into the needs analysis. And then we think about what, or at least then I think about what movements are now required, what conditioning, you know, is now required, what strength levels do I need and power and speed and all those kind of, you know, strength and conditioning qualities. Now I can get into those because now I understand the game in a general sense, then I understand our competition, then I understand our style, what our coaches are asking our players to do. And now I can filter out some things that maybe I don't really, I don't want to say don't need, but are less of a priority because we play a certain way or because we play in a certain conference. So um, that's what I think about when I'm, when I'm creating a needs analysis, I guess to say, uh, or thinking about the game of basketball. Yeah, I really, I really like that definition and I'm, I haven't heard anything like that about any sport, honestly. Um, but it makes so much sense to look at it in that way because that's really what the game is about. And like you watch the game and you see people running and cutting and jumping and, and doing all these different things. Um, but that's like, that's not the game. Those are just the tasks they need to accomplish the real game which is, you know, watching the other players and, and managing the game clock and, and things like that, scoring baskets, obviously. Um, and I think especially the, the piece about the perturbation is, is huge with any, um, any contact, any sport that has any kind of contact. Uh, when I'm watching, I see like the best athletes on the field are the ones that can control their body better than the other ones. Um, like I was a few weeks ago, I was watching uh, a highlight tape of Derrick Henry, who's a running back in the NFL right now, who went over 2000 yards this season. And just when people are trying to like, just like when they're reaching out towards him, like he's, he's not giving at all. Like his torso does not move at all, but you see smaller players are like having to lean and, and shrug that sort of stuff off. And it's, it doesn't even affect him at all. And same kind of thing, like better basketball players, when they're driving, they're not affected, you know, 
So. Yeah, exactly. And, and it becomes, you know, a football running back's a great, a great visual um, comparison, right? Is is how many, you know, yards after contact as they stat it in the NFL and in the CFL, right? Like, are you a guy that has really good yards after contact? That shows not only your brute strength, but it, it also does show that you can deal with those perturbations and, and, and not really get disrupted or off balance or, you know, where you're ha- having to slow down a little to reset yourself and then someone's going to c- kind of catch up to you and tackle you. Like, can you just maintain, um, you know, the path you were, you were going right. And again, it happens a lot within that position in football. Um, and it happens a lot within, within basketball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you able to like, do you try to work in the perturbations and the, like the time can, the time pressures and, you know, seeing the other people on the court kind of thing, like the visual stimulus, are you able to work all that into their training? I mean, I bought a really long stick now for the perturbations with the social media. <laughs> <laughs> I two mean, meter stick. Two, two meter meters. stick, right? Um, I mean, yeah, like that, the perturbation piece is obviously like, you know, something I, you know, non, non-pandemic times, it's a big piece of what, uh, what I do as we progress some of our stability and balance work and some of our torsal work, um, you know, we build up to, up to that stuff. Um, because yeah, it's important. And in different positions and different stances, um, you know, not always just one foot balancing and then someone's going to push you from the side, like tap your shoulders or whatever, but you know, in a split stance, even in a base stance or even a slightly staggered stance with your arms overhead, with your arms out to the side, with your like this is, you know, creativity and, and the possibilities are endless, right? Um, and so that's a huge piece. Sometimes it's, it's how we end our warm-ups. Um, sometimes it's within our, our, our prep uh, block for our strength work. Um, again, it's a little bit trickier now just because of the environment that we're in, um, you know, with, with respecting social distancing. So it may be more... Um, deceleration work just dealing with a speed component like a snap down or 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 you know a, a box step off uh, uh step step uh landing or something like that that's landing um without kind of that perturbation right now um but it, it also could be self-guided right so if you're doing like a pile-off press to say um and you put kind of a like a smaller plate you know through the band or through the cable and as you do that press you kind of press it with some with some velocity and then you stop it, that, that bars, that, that plate's going to shake on that band or that cable. And that's going to create perturbation for you to deal with. Right. And mm-hmm. instead of me trying to push you. So, you know, that stuff can be added in and you're not really touching anybody, you're keeping your distance and things like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's a big piece. Um, you know, the visual requirement as we get into our agility work and, and we progress into more open, open, uh, chain agility work will throw in some of that um that visual stimulus whether it's me pointing a direction or i'm reading a defender again um you know mirror drills and, and, and things like that or just opposites right if we're both running to the same cone and and it's a y kind of formation and i take off to the to the left cone are you taking off to the right cone, right? So, so kind of seeing that and dealing and, and then reacting from that. Um, so we'll do a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, the time pressure piece is, is a little bit more within 
within the game, within within sport practice, right? And 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 them, you know, understanding the game. And you know, you've heard the saying: the better, you know, if you get better at your sport, time kind of slows down or or stays still for really good players. And so, you know, that gets developed on the court. I'm not necessarily in the weight room saying you have, you know, uh, you have 10 seconds to do something. It's not kind of that time pressure. It's more the the um, processing speed, right? Uh, you know, the, the fast thinker idea. Um, and so that can really be developed sometimes in, in, in open um, agility work, but um, most of the time it, it's kind of through, through the game. And, and are we talking to our sport coaches about maybe incorporating some of those drills more often or, or um, you know, helping them create some of those drills so that they are asking or working on that um, quality within their practice, right? So we can we can definitely have conversations with our sport coaches and making sure that we're ticking some of these boxes uh, as well. Yeah, I really like the point that you bring up about the the perturbations, uh, and even like you said, changing the the stance and not just single leg, because I think everyone immediately just defaults to as soon as they hear balance, they think single leg but how many times are you on the court and you're posting up and you're on two feet or you're boxing somebody out and you're on two feet. Like there's a wide variety of balance, balance in quotations requirements that the, the sport of basketball throws at you. So I really like the idea of working that stuff, uh, that stuff into it. And as well as, like you said, with some of the open agility as well. And even when you're on when you're on one foot in basketball, like you're never static on one foot in basketball. No, yeah, it's always <laughs> dynamic. You're moving and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But I think it's important to bring up because Jay, we've had these conversations before that that's not solely what you do with basketball players. That's a that's an element of the training, but there's also a strength piece that goes with it because I think sometimes that can get lost right as soon as we hear, oh, we do perturbation stuff, we do this, and for whatever reason mine's just default to, Oh, it's a bunch of balance training and that's it. But that's, right. that's definitely not the case. Correct. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, you still need strength in, in, in basketball. Like you just said, you know, if you're, if you're in the post and yeah, you're dealing with perturbations, but if you don't have a, a foundation of strength. If you're not rooted in the ground, it doesn't matter how strong your, your stabilizers are. If you're not rock solid and you're going to get pushed off the post no matter what. Right. So, um, yeah, our, our, you know, a big piece of, of my training is, is you know, um, the trap bar deadlift and these strength movements and, and you know, um, you know, shoulder press and, and you know, we're going to we're going to lift heavy stuff and, and we're going to do it, um, you know, particularly with our younger guys to make sure that they're building the base, um, you know, that's going to that's going to uh, serve us later on. Um, but, yeah, exactly. Sometimes people you know, can get pigeonholed a little bit or, you know, if you, if you stick your head in, in, into one of my sessions for five minutes and you say, well, they're just like got a lot of med balls and they're kind of like reaching around and they're, you know, hopping around. And it's like, yeah, you just missed, you know, this is just a prep work. Come back in five minutes when we have 300 pounds on the trap work, right? Like and we're doing singles or we're doing doubles, right? Like, you know, it goes on. Now there's stuff we have to consider as far as, you know, when we think about basketball, the length of the, these guys' limbs and, and that, that we will have to maybe make modifications or, or use, you know, specialty bars. But it doesn't mean 
that we're not lifting. And again, like depending on your style, if you're a team that likes to bang and crash and you're in a conference that, you know, is, is physical, you have to prepare your players for that. And, and, you know, and some of that might look like, you know, bodybuilding or might look like powerlifting or might look like, might not look a lot like basketball. Right. Um, but it's a good mix within my session. I usually try to have, you know, a, a main, a main exercise. Right. And, and that's our strength focus exercise. And, and then we'll have some, some torso work around that or some accessory work around that. And then one of our accessory um, either, either blocks. So like two or three exercises or kind of the, the fourth exercise in that main block is you know, something in a different plane or, or something where we're not necessarily thinking about super uh, heavy weight. We're more thinking about, you know, creating a shape or working on the connective tissue or, um, you know, moving with some speed. Um, and that's where you'll see that kind of stuff. So, so I try to balance it out um, and not just do one of too many, too much of one single thing. Right. Yeah, I mean it's important with with open sports like that. Like you can't spend too much time doing one thing because, I mean, arguably you're never ever gonna do the same thing twice on a basketball court. There's always gonna be something that's a little bit different. The angle's gonna be a little bit different. The time constraints a little bit different. Or you're gonna have to, you know, jump a little bit higher or whatever. Like it's it's always different. So they gotta be able to you know change and adapt and and be capable of of doing different things. Yeah, precisely. And again, a lot of these guys are, you know, they haven't been in the weight room, you know, growing up. And so they're, that's the bucket that is, you know, needs to get, get full, particularly if, if they're, you know, first year guy and, and now you're in, in university and you could be playing against the guy who's five, six, seven, eight years older than you and is a man and you're 17 or 18, right? So, you know, and you haven't really been in the weight room. So we need to build that strength up and we need to, you know, still work on your movement capacity and, and things like that. But, you know, that's the bucket that needs to get full chill right now and, and needs to be the emphasis. And um, for some guys, that's what it is. Other guys, it's it's maybe a speed component or the, you know, agility component or it's, again, the, that fascial chain work or, um, you know, there's different things, right? And, and to have the opportunity to just have a small group of guys now, I can be really specific on that kind of stuff, right? Um, so when you're, when you're getting more specific with these guys, how are you determining like which guys need to focus a little bit more on movement, which guys need to focus a little bit more on strength, which guys need to focus a little bit more on speed or even, you know, which guys need to learn how to be a little bit more like creative with, with what they're doing and that sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot of it comes from, you know, conversation with the coaches. Um, obviously this has been a difficult year. Nobody really played. So you know, for me, um, entering, a, you know, getting, getting the job in October, you know, we didn't, we haven't played basketball, you know, since I've competitively, like we've been practicing, but, um, so I haven't seen them play, uh, at all. I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching games from last year, trying to figure out, you know, where maybe guys are deficient. Um, but that was a year ago. So maybe that's not even the case anymore. Right. Um, and so that's, that's the challenge which we're, with where we are now. Um, but a lot of it comes from, you know, coach conversations. Hey, what do you need this guy to be able to do? What, what are his, his shortcomings? Talking to the players um, and often asking them 
you know, those type of similar questions. But I always also have to ask what their NBA comparison is. Like, like honestly, like, don't just say Kevin Durant. Don't just say LeBron James. Like, okay, we all wish we were that person, but we're not. So what's a, what's a truthful NBA comparison? And you'd be surprised. The guys will be honest and they'll say, you know, bench players or, or backup, you know, Fred Van Vliet I got uh, this year talking about, to one of our point guards. And it's like, okay, well, what do you like about his game? And they'll maybe talk about basketball stuff, but they also talk about, hey, I like how he doesn't get pushed off the ball. I like how he's low and he has, you know, thick legs and he's strong. And Okay, great. Like, that's awesome. We can use that. Um, so, so that's kind of, you know, how I'll start those conversations. Um, and then watching, again, I'm in a unique situation, but trying to watch practice and watch games as much as you can and, and start to understand what are they being asked to do and can they fulfill those things? And, and hey, he's really getting asked to be play inside a lot and, and he's not – He's not strong enough to deal with that. Okay, cool. Mental note, you know, he needs some more strength. He needs some more upper body strength or whatever the case is. Or he keeps, you know, on the defensive end, they keep beating him right. For some reason, he can't move right now. Now, what is that reason? Okay. You know, maybe it's an injury history. Maybe it's, you know, he's not just coordinated on that side. Okay, well, let's let's look at that in further detail or, or try to tease it out with assessments or, or injury history. So, yeah, it's, it's just watching and taking notes and, and communicating with the coach and the players and then formulating the, that plan or starting to bucket, you know, three, four guys that maybe have a similar uh, deficiency and start to bucket those guys together. And maybe they're doing some some different prep work or maybe there's opportunities for, the, for them to come separately or stay after practice or, or those type of things, right? I mean, again, no, normal situation, Um you know, that can happen right now. There's restrictions and this and that. But uh, if we're talking about normal situation, yeah, hey, you guys just stay at the practice. We're going to work on some some lateral movement with a little bit of an emphasis to the right side, right? Or you're going to do a few more sets or everybody else is doing six reps. You're going to do, you're going to do, you know, three to four reps, right? Like just making those small intercession changes um, so that that guy gets what he needs. You're not, you're not throwing the whole book out and, building him a completely different program it's just a couple of small changes to to make him feel like he's getting what he needs but he's also still part of the team right the what's it called one thing i'm glad that you brought up the the idea of watching and seeing the game i mean i can't tell you how many hours of basketball brayden and i watched at waterloo <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure we saw Almost every practice. The only time we didn't see practice is when we were the like the men's team would be on the court and the women's team were in the weight room, for example. But our weight room was just on the third floor and the it overlooked the court. So even at times you could see what was going on. But yeah, we watched almost every practice. We watched every single game. Uh, even the ones where they had to fly up to I don't even know what it's called that university that's like way north that you take the 12 hour plane ride. Algoma. Uh, Algoma. Algoma. Sorry. Algoma. Algoma. Yeah. If anyone from Algoma yeah. is listening, I'm sorry. I forgot the name of your university. Yeah. Um, yeah, Algoma. Like we watched the OUA feed of that. So we watched a lot of basketball. And I mean, for us, I think that helped inform us of what we needed to do in conjunction with the conversations we had with the players. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Cause I think that's, 
such an underrated element of figuring out the game is like you said, you start to see different, the, the different things and the little things. Like you said, you notice, oh, this person keeps getting beat to one side. You know, you don't see that in the bigger picture. You just see changing direction and jumping. But when you start to watch it way more, you see those small details that I feel like that's, is that an example of the things you'd probably build into that? Like some of your perturbation training and balance, like those, that's where the little things, small details start to emerge. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the difference. A lot of, a lot of, you know, you have to love the sport. I, I think, you know, sometimes people get into strength and conditioning or because they love working out and that's great, but you, you better like sports because you're going to be around sports all the time. And, and as you get more specific or as you grow in different opportunities, you better really love a specific sport. You know, like I, I grew up playing hockey and, and, you know, that's really the sport I played all the way through. And, you know, when I had the opportunity to work hockey, it was so cool because I, I understood the game. And so I was watching it. You know, I, I could see the decisions they were making. I could see why they were making that decision because I understood the tactical piece of that. I wasn't as strong in basketball because I, I didn't really play rap basketball. I didn't really play high school basketball. That only developed because I would stay on the, I would run warm up and then I would, I would just stay there and, and, and just watch and, and you know part of that responsibility with Canada basketball that that's really what it is you warm them up you make sure the Harley monitors don't you know cop out or crash or something weird happen and that's it and you got a towel and if someone falls down you wipe the floor that's your job in practice right and so if you but if you're paying attention and you have your ears are open and your eyes are open then you start to understand okay this is what we're trying to do this is this is what the coaches are telling them okay, can he do it? Oh, no, he can't do it. And it's not because he doesn't understand. It's because his body won't let him. You know, oh, get down, stay low, stay low. It's like he can't stay low because he doesn't have the mobility. Okay, great, good to know. So I'm making little notes. I'm writing it down. And then when if I see in that from a global standpoint of, of hey, our whole team is having trouble with this, then that's in the warm-up. Then that becomes part of what goes in the warm-up now because, you know, this is a global issue. We need to work on this every single day. Uh, within our warm warm up and our cool down and hopefully over time that doesn't you know that that alleviates itself right and sometimes it's even movement uh it's even movements right like like I had a coach the one summer and it, it, you know it was a specific uh, tactical way he wanted our the players to go around the screen if we were on defense and we were chasing uh, a, a player around the screen uh, oh, no, sorry, we were on offense and we were kind of using a screen and he, he wanted us to like, he kept saying whip it. He was like, whip it. And I was like, what is he talking about? Whip it. And so he just keeps saying whip it. And then, he, you know, we talked about what whip it means. And I'm like, all right, well, it's kind of just curvilinear running. That's in my brain. That's what whip it is. Okay, he wants to whip around, do it fast. Okay, great. So then I'm like, well, I better show him that we're working on this. So in the warm up, I'm putting kind of like, you know, cone spaced out and we're just like running around the cone, but running around it quicker. Yeah. And, and cueing whip it. You know, when coach says whip it, this is what he's talking about. So we need to go around fast. We need to stay low, create angles with our, with our shins and this and that, uh, you know, because I heard that I paid attention. I said, we need to work on it. And then I put it in a warm up every day. Did it get better? I'm not sure. Does he even want them whipping it a month later? Who knows? But 
you know, I had my, my ears open and my eyes open. So that's so important. I mean, you know, Tommy, we've been on many sidelines with Canada basketball through junior Academy, just sitting there uh, watching and you can learn the game so well. Well, maybe it um, looks like we were just sitting there. Right. We were, we were watching, we were, we're discussing, we're, we're yeah. seeing stuff. Yeah. Taking it in. And you guys have a similar, similar relationship, right? You guys see something. Hey, what do you see there? Oh, I saw this. Oh, okay. I saw this. Okay. Well, how do you think we should attack that? Hey, I think he needs a little of this uh, in, in his strength or in his warm up. or, Hey, that's the third guy I saw have, have difficulty with that. We should put in the warm up. Okay, great. Like, you know, the more, the more cooks you have in the kitchen, the more brains you have, the, the more opportunities and uh, ideas can come about. Right. So um, yeah, I just, that's kind of where that comes from and, and, and why I'm, my warm ups particularly always evolving and always changing, not only because it gets stagnant and the season's really long, but because the requirements the coach is asking are always subtly changing. Right. And so we have to always subtly change what we do to prepare them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I really wanted to ask you, Jay, today um, was like how much you are coaching movement and how much you are letting the athlete kind of self-organize. Um, you sent us a couple of podcasts when we talked last week with with Bobby Stroop, which I uh, really, really enjoyed. And then that kind of led me down another another rabbit hole. And I've, I've heard a lot of coaches talking about, uh, you know, letting the athlete self-organize and letting the athlete be creative and and uh, putting constraints on an exercise or, or whatever that either help foster that creativity or removing constraints to help foster that creativity. Um, and just, you know, how sometimes you can coach an athlete so much that performance declines and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when I, when I started my career, I was really, uh, really rigid and, and, you know, I, I came up on a facility called Velocity and, and we had, uh, you know, it was founded by a, a track and field coach and we had a very, really big movement component to what we did. So, so, uh, you know, our high school groups and stuff would come in for an hour and a half. That was their session length. And it was kind of like, 30 30 30 so it'd be like 30 minutes of dynamic work now that kind of got shaved to probably 20 minutes really but and then the second 30 you know 25 to 30 minutes was was movement and each day was a different uh direction i guess so so one day was acceleration the other day was was change of direction and the other day was kind of top end speed or max velocity uh and then we had you know the, the other 40 minutes was was strength right and then a little conditioning but Within that, there was essentially a curriculum, right? And there was essentially like, like academically, like lesson plan. It was, it was very like, you know, it was a franchise, so it was very laid out. And so you kind of did, you know, level one of, of acceleration, and then, you know, you, you move to level two, you move to level two, you know, and so on and so on. And so I became really rigid, like, this is exactly what we're looking for, and and, and this I'm going to teach you this, and, and then you're going to move to this. And you were like, kind of like a little robotic, right? Um, and then as I, you know, grew and, and exposed myself to different, um, you know, philosophies, yeah, I became much more, um, open, uh, and yeah, we're looking for shapes. I think that's the best way to think about it. It's like, we're looking for certain shapes and, and those shapes are going to put us in either good positions to, you know, express force and, and, and push ourselves in the right direction and, and create speed and power. In, in some shapes or not. 
they could they could put us in a position for injury. They could just be really inefficient. Um, you know, there could be, like you said before, there could be this upper body sway that we don't want if we're changing direction and and things like that. And so I've I've done a lot more of that of like, okay, here's the shape we want. There's some drills that will help us create that shape, whether that's, you know, on the wall or, or in a harness or, or, um, you know, keeping them in a certain, certain area or, or number of steps, right? Like, like, okay, we're just doing one or two and then we'll walk back those type of things. Um, but letting them figure it out and understanding that particularly within basketball, those guys, their limbs are just like, out of control and so they're so long and, and their shape or their position is not going to be cookie cutter right but uh are they you know in a good position yes are they you know able to express the force yes are they in a position for injury no or potential uh and, and kind of going from there um so that's kind of how i view it i, I do like um you know putting constraints on them or, or, and then slowly taking them away or, or vice versa. Um, and whether that's, you know, speed or, or space or, um, like I said before, harnesses or things like that. Um, you know, med balls, Tommy and I have talked a lot about wickets and, and, uh, and, and stick overhead stick running and things like that. Um, and how, where those, you know, when to use that tool and, and what place it has in your development. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm much more, the band, my bandwidth is the best way to say it. My bandwidth has expanded. My bandwidth was really, really narrow before. Like I remember, like, I, I don't know what I was, I don't know. I was, I went to Athi's performance, which is now called Exos. And I did a, I did a mentorship there and we were talking and this is like, who's leading that at the time? Nick Winkleman was leading the mentorship at this time. Oh, true. He still would have been there. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he was there and, and this was 2008, I think. So, you know, we were going through uh, max velocity, something they would teach it. And, and I was like, you know, just asking them, but asking them away, like I had already had the answer because I had been taught it at uh, velocity. And I was like, but what about this? Like, don't, aren't we supposed to be doing it like this? And they're like, no, like you can, but they already were the point where their bandwidth was big. And they were like, no, it's okay. As long as you're in this bandwidth, they're still cool. And then I was like, oh, well, that's not kind of how, you know, I was taught this rigid way. And so that started my thought of, hey, expanding that a little bit, giving a little bit more grace to, to different body types or different, um, you know, positions and things like that. So, um yeah, I'm a lot, I'm a lot, my bandwidth is a lot wider now. Um, and, and even with an exercise technique as well, not just movement, but also exercise technique. A six, 10 guy's not going to squat the same way that, that I squat at five ten. It's not going to happen. So why am I trying to make him do that the same way? Like I, I got to find a different solution for him to still get the, the benefits that I'm looking for. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, difference. I think like, I think it's really commonplace for like programs to be really individualized, and that's what everyone wants to do and wants to look for and like try to find the one thing that this person needs to work on that will you know help them specifically. Um, but then, how can you take that same philosophy and apply it to movement and say that 
everybody needs to do a lateral bound this exact way and everyone needs to do a squat this exact way like it doesn't make sense you know we're all different people and and i mean if we're training them for you know open sports like you're never gonna have the exact same foot placement when you're boxing somebody out you're never going to be taking off from the exact same spot if you're doing a dunk or a layup or whatever so it makes sense to be able to have more leeway in your in your movements and more creativity and more variation and all those different things yeah we're definitely trying to trying to build their their library right and, and their movement uh library for them to be able to draw upon right when i talk to younger um you know athletes when we when we do presentations or whatever, um, I think about it like like spelling. Like, how did you learn to spell words when you were a little kid? First, you learned the letters, right? And you know, how to how to write the letters. Okay, great. You got you got A to Z, no problem. Then you start to spell smaller words like cat and dog and things like that. Okay, no problem. Then you started spelling bigger words. But if you were also starting to read at the same time and you're reading and, you, and you're learning new words and now you're learning all these other words and what they mean and, and when to use them in sentences and things like that. Now your library is like so, so vast, right? It's the same thing with movement, right? You got to start with just learning the basics and yeah, there's more rigidity maybe within that. The bandwidth is really narrow, but then as you expand and now if you're in an open school sport like basketball or, or reaction, reaction sport, now you're pulling from all different things because you've been, I mean, that was a podcast I sent you guys. You're pulling from all different things because you have now a bigger vocabulary of movement to pull from, right? And so I always think about it like that, like the same way you think about vocabulary in, in writing and reading, same thing with your body, right? Like the more you can give it, the more different things. And yeah, it's it amazes me some of these basketball players, right? Oh, I only jump off of my left foot. I'm only two foot jumper. I go, what? Like, what happens if you get caught on your right foot? What happens? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, that's not good. Like, that's, that's going to happen. Sometimes that's going to happen. And now, does that create a potential for injury now because you're not used to it? That bot, that 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 limb difference is is way too great. And now we got a we got a potential for injury. You know, is that not going to go in? Like, is that shot now going to get blocked because you don't have the coordination and you don't have the balance and and things like that to go off your left foot or, you know to do something uh, that's unexpected, um, you know, yeah, we're in trouble. And, and to a certain extent, if our responsibility as performance coaches is movement, sometimes, you know, our, we're just thought about the weight as a weight room person. But if we are incorporating that stuff, then that falls on us too, because we have to do a better job of, of getting them landing and hopping in different, different planes and different vectors and things like that. And maybe it's just in the warm up. Like, I mean, that's not a, that's not too hard to put some of that stuff in your your eight minute, ten minute warm up every practice. Like, it's not. I'm not asking. You're not asking for like your whole, your whole session's got to be hopping and and bounding and things like this. Just put it in a little bit at the end and and create that comfort level for them on each foot and landing different ways and 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 things like that. Right, two feet to one foot, one foot to two foot, left to right, transverse plane frontal plane sagittal plane all that stuff right so um i mean that's how we finished our warm today we did a we did a hop series about it's technically a bound series uh we did a bound series today all all directions each foot you know 
30, 40 seconds, maybe a tuck, and that's it, and, and we're good to go. Yeah, can you imagine LeBron James explaining why he missed a layup because he had to take off his left foot and he's not used to, <laughs> right. not used to doing that. You make, right. you make $30 million a year. That's We don't care what foot you have to take off of. You got to put that in. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, I really like that idea of of comparing it to to language and expanding the vocabulary. And I think that it makes a lot of sense as a strength coach to see it like that, where you you want to make sure you know, to continue with the analogy that they can spell, you know, each word correctly, but you don't need to hold their hand and, and make sure that their calligraphy is perfect. Like they'll figure it out how to make a letter as long as they know what the letters are, you know, and it's, it's kind of our job to expand the vocabulary and make sure that they're capable of everything that they need to be able to do and, and capable of things beyond that. And, and then just give them license to be creative with different stuff and let them, you know, figure it out but if if they don't have the tools and they don't have the options you know to do anything right exactly and again that 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 adds some variation within within your summertime too like you know um that's where you can put in a lot of this kind of you know you know game-based stuff and and that's gonna you know create create a different uh atmosphere for them for learning and, and for expressing these things that they don't always are aren't able to express or don't know that they they even know how to do that is, is get them on the field, play, play a different, play dodgeball, play different sports, do different kinds of activities, get in the stand, you know, this type of stuff um, and see what happens and see what their bodies do. And then again, observe it. And then you can, you can tweak it from there. But um, you know, that's, I love, I love the summertime for that reason, just to kind of get outside, get on the field uh, and do some different, different things uh and more of an open play kind of kind of situation right like i mean it'd be it's great to like you know have a have a basketball player i think uh the strength coach at, at stanford uh who's in phoenix he used to post a lot of his stuff at, when he was at stanford and he he would have the guys on the field playing kind of playing football like doing one-on-one type of drills right like you know like a receiver and a db and it's like yeah because that's those are all relatable skills to basketball. Can you cover someone if they if they move, or can you hit turn? Can you kind of get into that crossover run? Can you, you know, all these type of things that happen in a one-on-one matchup on a football field? Like, those are similar things that happen on the court. It's just a different context, right? Um, but that's a way to incorporate those things, but also kind of have some fun at the same time. Maybe the last thing we kind of touch on before we we wrap up is maybe a little bit about the energy system. Um, because I think when, when people think basketball, right, we, we tend to default to the highlight reel, right? And you think about big dunks, you think about, you know, someone getting their ankles broken, it, they're big, they're flashy plays, right? Where it's, it's explosive. It happens quick. And so I think we tend to maybe skew our thinking to going, that's a game that's completely predicated around speed and explosive abilities, which there's no doubt those explosive abilities are extremely important for basketball. But Jay, you've talked a little bit to us about sort of the aerobic side and maybe that being a little bit more underrated because when you start to look at the minutes that some of these players are asked to play in the game, you have to have that component 
prepared, do we not? And I think, do, do you maybe, would you agree that maybe that's a bit of an underrated aspect of, of the sport? Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, within our industry, right? Like, you know, that, that pendulum swung way too far away from aerobic work and never do it. And high intensity interval training is the only thing to do. And, you know, that's all you need and to batter this and all this kind of stuff. And, and it kind of, you know, it swung way over there and, um, but, and that, and now it's kind of, you know, the more you talk to people, the more it's kind of swung back to where it should be, which is kind of in the middle. And you need, you need all of the systems working together because they also don't work by themselves. It's not, you know, the more we, we are learning about energy systems, uh, the more we're understanding that what I have in my textbook behind me is I could, I could put those paper, those, those energy system sheets in the garbage, right? Like it's, it's not a switch that just comes on and then, Oh, elastic. Oh, 10 seconds later, this, like, it's not, that's not what happens, right? Like they're all working at the same time. They're just, they're working at different capacities. Right. And so if one of those systems is underdeveloped, it's going to hurt the other ones. Right. And whether that means the, the restorative quality of the other one, whether it means the, the length you can sustain those efforts for that's going to, um, that's going to suffer. So, um, you know, we're understanding what happens in the game better and better. I mean, you know, at the, at the youth sport level, there's, there's only a handful of schools and, that, and that's part of what I'm doing now is, is trying to reach out to them and that have been using heart rate monitors on their, on their student athletes uh, for an extended period of time. And so we're starting to understand kind of what is happening at our level, right? Like, yeah, we can look at the NBA and, and GPS and, you know, heart rate and all that kind of stuff, but that's a very specific type of athlete A and type of basketball B. I mean, the rules aren't even the same in the NBA as they are in, in Canadian basketball. So so we, we already have differences there. Um, and then and then we could look at NCAA, the same same problem with the NCAA, right? Different rules, different styles, different uh, emphasis on training in general. Those athletes are different. So we can't really look at an NCAA game heart rate data and say, well, we need our players to be able to replicate that. That's not that's not fair and that's not accurate. So throw that out the window. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I'm actually heart rated every single practice since I've gotten, we've, since we've gotten back on the court. So I'm starting to starting to compile that data. It's not game data. It's also not really five on five data, um, but it's also, it's, it's helping to shed some light on, on some things that maybe are deficient, especially when we practice every day and our guys bouncing back. And are guys able to push themselves the next day to the same capacity and level that they were before? And, and some of them are not. And are they, you know, uh, if we use a car analogy, are they at 6,000 RPMs uh, and they're, they should be at 2,000 RPMs? Like what's happening there, right? Like are they over revving themselves because their system's just out of whack? So, um you know, I think that aerobic piece is so important. How do we do that in the sense of like not putting extra pounding on their joints, right? Like uh, how do we pick our spots with that? Um, can we kind of do some interval interval type work um, with longer rest periods and low impact stuff? So we're getting that, that um, average heart rate to be in a, in a place where we're working those systems, but not saying go for a 10K run. Like that's, just kind of not what we want either because then it's shin splint time and, and my feet hurt. So that's not what we want to do either. Those guys aren't built for running or they'd be on the cross country team. So, you know, how do we balance that? Um, 
you know, but I have, I've had, I, it is something that I, I do try to emphasize with a lot of the basketball teams that I've worked with is, is, Hey, like, you know, just go for, do go for a 45 minute, 60 minute walk twice a week, like and get an audio book, get a podcast, whatever, just, just move, move your body at a low end heart rate zone for an extended period of time. And that's going to, that's going to kind of refill the tank and create a situation where, you know, a lot of the bulk of our condition is going to happen in practice and that's fine, but that's, that's the mid, the mid range, right? Not the top end, not the bottom end. And so we as professionals they need to fill some of that stuff. So that super high burst stuff, um, some of that sprint work and, and long rest stuff, like we need to fill that bucket probably. And then the super low end work, we probably have to fill that bucket too. Um, you know, I, I posted, uh, this was one of my very first Instagram posts. And, um, you know, when I was at Seneca college, we, in our summer, in our summer program, I think it might've been one or two practices a, a week or nights of the week after practice, we would go to the parking lot and, and we would essentially just run the parking lot. Like there was no, there was no cars. It was a back parking lot. It was really long. And we just run the parking lot. And we would run it for, for 25 minutes. That was part of the education to our coaches. It's like, let's not, let's not say 5K or 3K because they're just going to burn through that. They're just going to run that as fast as they can because they want to be done with it. And now the system we thought we were working, we're not because they're, they're working too hard. And so let's just put a time on it and say, let's, let's run for 20 minutes or 25 minutes and we'll build up, right, uh, at a conversation pace. And, and so, you know, you should be talking to your – to your teammate who's beside you, you know, and just, just, you know, shoot the breeze with them, get to know them, whatever. And the one, the one time I, I did it with the guys because I, I wanted to make sure that they were actually at the tempo and pace that I wanted and they weren't overextending themselves. Uh, and so I, you know, I was running with them. I would, I would ease back with the guys that were kind of at the back. I would speed up and be with the guys at the front, but I had a GPS watch on at the time. This is how, I mean, I don't like running with my phone anyway, but I had a GPS watch on and, and I uploaded the data and, and it was just a, literally a line that went back and forth like this. It was just a line. And I posted that on Instagram and I said, you know, to you, it may look just like a line in a parking lot. But for me, it looks like buying from our coaches. It looks like buying from our guys. It looks like we're working on something that not a lot of people are even thinking about how our aerobic system works and, and that we need to develop it uh i'm not making them slower which is the other how aerobic system became a bad word it's like oh you train slow you get slow it's like if you do a, a walk twice a week or you do a jog once a week you're not going to get slower you're doing enough speed work in the rest of the time that you don't have to worry about it uh yeah, if you're doing it, your speed it, work you're not going to get slow yeah like because you do a 20 that. if you're not doing exactly. any speed work then you're probably going to get slow Right. So, so, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, and, and they, as we work through the weeks, you know, the feedback, like, Hey, like, you know, not only is this getting easier, the, the run in the parking lot, but they're like, Hey, I'm feeling better at practice. I'm not as gassed. Like, you know, this and that I can, I can recover, you know, uh, a little bit better when, when we come back the next day, things like that. And, and so it was super important. And, and I've always phrased that system to athletes as, as a savings account. Right. So, so the aerobic systems, your savings account. So, 
you know, you're spending money on your credit card and, and your, and your uh, debit card and the other systems, but eventually you need to refill that bank account. And how do you do that? You, you go into your savings, you move the money from your savings account into pay off your visa and, and there you go, you're back in business, right? But if you have no money in your savings account because you never worked on your robot system, you're, you're in trouble, right? Eventually, you're just not going to have anything left. And so, you know, I, I try to phrase it like that where they can understand like we don't have to do this every day. Uh, and the more, again, Tommy and I have talked about residual training qualities, once you build up a base, you probably really don't have to do it but once a month or once every three weeks, right, to maintain that system. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I view conditioning. Again, I, I, I think they get a lot from the sport if the drills are set up correctly and the rest times are set up correctly. Um, we're starting to understand what the actual game demands of, of youth sport basketball are um, slowly from a, from a heart rate standpoint. Uh, and that we can't, we can't ignore the aerobic system. It is so important, but we have to be smart about how we program it. So we're not kind of busting up the, the athletes and, and then having other issues. Right. Uh, you know, you can't just, just go for an AK run when you've never run before. And then coach, I can't practice. Right. Like, so it's, it's gradually building that up, you know, swimming's great. Um, you know, med ball, body weight circuits are great. I mean, people have been doing those since the pandemic, but body weight circuit 30, 30, stuff like this over time. Uh, you know, are, are a great a great way to work on that system as well. And train with a heart rate monitor. I think they're not super expensive. You know, the smartwatches have them now. Your phone has it. You just kind of can check every so often uh, with the optical piece of your phone or, or if you can get a heart rate monitor. But that way you know that you're hitting the target that you're actually kind of aiming for, right? So um, that's been a big benefit as well. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I I definitely agree that I think the the aerobic system is underrated, probably in a lot of sports, but yeah, basketball, for sure. I feel like you can get a lot of the other energy system work done in your other training anyway, and um, and yeah, the aerobic system is definitely going to impact how you recover. And I w- I was listening to another coach talk about how um, he he wanted to in sport in general uh, have the aerobic system just like raise the capacity of the aerobic system so that more of the things you need to do in a game are more aerobic so that, you know, you're not reaching that threshold where you're starting to dip into the lactate and stuff. And you're not um, like, you don't have to get tired to do these different things. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. Yeah. Very similar to like speed reserve, right? But if you think about like speed reserve, it's the same concept, you know, it's, it's not called that, but like maybe it can be called that. It's like, you know, if you push that system up, then yeah, you're not dipping into the other other areas and, and having to work in fourth gear when when you should be working in second gear, right? Like, and so you know, I'm seeing that now. You know, with the data that we're collecting, it's like, uh, like you know, we we have some work to do in that area um, because some of this stuff shouldn't be we shouldn't be uh, like I said, kind of redlining and and uh, and we're not bouncing back and we're also maybe not bouncing back as well either. Right. You know, you know, in the season we're playing, you know, over a weekend, two games, you're getting, you're getting 25, 30 minutes a game. You have a small window to recover. And if your aerobic system's not there for you, the second game, you're going to be in trouble. Right. And, and, and that's where you can see it, see a drop off. And, and even are you recovering within the, the 10, 15 minute halftime? Are you recovering in the two, three minute uh, quarter breaks? Like those type of things. 
Um, and if that, again, if that system's not there for you, you know, it, it's going to show up. Right. So, um, yeah, my guys won't be, won't be, uh, welcome to hear that, but yeah, we're going to get, we're going to get into that stuff, uh, and, and, and really train that system. Uh, the weather's getting nicer and, and, you know, Mac is a beautiful campus to be able to do some, some, some trail, some trail walking, running intervals or walk sprint jog intervals, things like that where we're not pounding too much, but, and we're on a soccer surface like a trail or, or, or a field. Um, but yeah, it's a bit, it's a big piece to what, to what I do, particularly in the, in the summer months. Um, and that's where I lean on Tommy, right. For some of that tempo run stuff, we've talked about it and, and how to get that stuff in, in a safe environment, in a safe way um, to get some of those, some of those benefits. We, we had, I had great success with, with kind of tempo, tempo running, um, you know, when I was at Seneca as well in the summer months. So. Yeah, those, that's, that's a great answer to, to that question. That's a lot of really good information. Like for anyone out there who's working with basketball, anyone out there who's working with that sport, like, that's a lot of good ideas, a lot of good analogies that a lot of great stuff there for people to take away and, and try some of these things and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, that's like fantastic answer. Uh, there's, I got a question. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. We, you know, kind of piggybacking your podcast last time, um, you know, just about, is there any, and I, I don't know, I listened to it, but again, like how specific you got, but, is there a kind of like unique pieces? I know Braden obviously like powerlifting and stuff. Like, is there you unique piece of equipment that you use that like kind of like not many, but I would be surprised that you use, but just like, hey, I can't, I don't know if I could live without this. Or if I was buying a facility, if I was building a facility, I'm gonna get 20 of these. You know, like is there I know it's probably a squat rack, Braden, but <laughs> is there <laughs> is there anything else that like you know, I saw this really cool. The reason I asked is I saw this really cool piece. Uh, it's escaping me who makes it, but you know when you when you you use band accommodating resistance, right, for like a trap bar a trap bar squatter deadlift, right, and, and and so if you don't have the hooks on the rack, you kind of are you end up standing on it. Like, have you guys done that before? Oh like, yeah. The but bar? then it pulls your feet because the tension and of your, the band is. Yeah. So dry. your feet are kind of weird and you're standing on the, on the band. It's not, you know, it's gotta be flat and still it's not. So I saw this, it, it, it's like a platform. It's small. Like, you, you know, your feet go on it, but that part's flat. And then it has kind of like pegs on the side and, and the band loops around the pegs and then loops onto the trap bar, but it can be moved. It's not like in a rack. It just, you can kind of move this thing. But I was like, man, that's genius because I hate standing on the things. Uh, and if that was a big piece of my programming, if I really did a lot of like band assisted or accommodating resistance, I would probably have to get some of those because it's such a cool piece. Like, is there any other things that you guys like are, are unique, I guess, to the way that you think about training the athletes that you guys work with? Um, not really for me. Like it's, it's definitely going to be racks and bars and weight and platforms and things like that. Um, I, I mean, I really like the cable machine and how versatile that is kind of thing. Um, and the, the one piece that I mentioned on that episode was the chest supported row, just for right. the, the ability to develop a lot of, you know, upper back strength without loading the lower back, because that's, that's something that we want to be sparing on as much as we can. Um, but I mean, it's, 
it's different with powerlifters. Like we don't need to be able to do a lot of different stuff. It's just, you know, three movements and, and really, you know, you gotta be strong and, and like being fast helps sometimes, but mostly you just gotta be strong. So it's, we don't have to worry too much about developing energy systems or you know, <laughs> speed or reactivity, all these different stuff. So the energy system work for you guys is when you do three sets of eight. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> so the three sets of six is pushing it. <laughs> I've grown to love the curved treadmill a lot. And I've, I use them a lot here. Well, I mean, it's been different now with the pandemic because what counts as heavy breathing and whatever uh, in the <laughs> facilities. But like that was something we had two, maybe three of them at Waterloo. There was two or three of them at Mac. And I look back at those years. I'm like, man, I underutilized that thing, especially in the winter months, especially for just doing runs where you can change the speed and the tempo of things. Like I, I'm glad that I've got the experience to use that piece of equipment here. Cause that's something they're expensive, but it's something that I could see being useful for any sport or any athlete that needs to run. Um, so that right. would probably be, you know, something like that's the first thing that popped into my brain, probably biased because we we're just talking about conditioning. Um, but that's, yeah, it's something I've, I've grown to like a lot. I use that thing all the time at Waterloo. Eh? You did. You did. No, oh, I never. Oh, used I it. thought you said you did. That's no. what like, when no. I didn't get to see this. This I gotta see. <laughs> no, that thing was scary, man. That thing was scary. To yeah, use. personally, I used it, but I did, I don't think I took advantage of it with the athletes that I worked with enough. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely no pun intended a, a learning curve to that treadmill uh, yes. because it's nice. self-powered, right? And so <laughs> there. I, you know, I've, we had one at, at St. Lawrence when I was at St. Lawrence and as soon as I walked in the building in, our, in the new facility and I saw it, I was like, okay, like that's big time. Like this is going to be great for our field sport athletes in, in the winter months. But yeah, it, it is intimidating. Um, you know, it is a different feel because it's, you know, self-powered. And so I, I often got kids just like, just walk on it. Like just understand where the foot placement has to be, what your, what your posture has to be and then jog on you know like gradually get it and then they got comfortable and they're, and they're ripping they're ripping on it but it's uh yeah there's definitely a, a learning piece to that um you know to tommy at you know training you know having the opportunity to train you as a high school student and as an early university student um you know you've used the viper that i've had uh a lot i think or quite a bit um i think i missed the viper did you miss yeah, I think that was more, it would have been Chris uh, and, and Mikey who got to use maybe. it more. Yeah, I think that's a piece. So it's uh, essentially a rubber tube like uh, that comes in different weights and different circumferences. And it has kind of two ends. It's open all the way through and it kind of has handles here, like two handles on one side, one handle on the other side. Uh, and it's a piece I really like. Just again, like as as you think about loading some of these unconventional stances or or unconventional movement patterns, it creates a situation where you you can add this this mass and momentum to some of these movements, and you have to decelerate that now and reaccelerate it in the other direction or wherever you're trying to do it. And that's been such a like I I have one personally, and and it's such a huge piece. Because it's just, you know, dumbbells are great and, and you can load some of these reaching patterns with dumbbells, but it's not as smooth, right? If you try to 
you know, do a lateral bound or, or kind of rip your arms across it. Same thing. Med balls are good too, but you know, sometimes the hand position can be a little bit, um, a little bit small if the med ball smaller, things like that. So, um, you know, that, that's a piece that, you know, is pretty uh, unique. If I bring it to the gym and I'm working with an individual athlete, I'll bring it from home and, and I'll get a lot of like, what the heck is that thing? You know, like, what are they doing over there? Um, but it's definitely a piece that, uh, you know, I'd like to add more of in my personal uh, gym, but also kind of as I, as I get a little bit more established on that and, and, and kind of get, uh, add that to the, to the wish list. Right. But um, yeah, I'm known for that. I'm known for the guy that has weird stuff and uh, has a lot of different equipment and, uh, you know, and, and try to experiment and, and see where that stuff fits in the, in the, greater scheme of things and is it a small rock or is it a big rock and and where does it fit within your training process so um i, I really that's why i really loved uh, listening to you guys last week uh with that one because i really enjoy what goes into some of those decisions based on your your philosophy and what you think is uh the best tool to get get that outcome that you're looking for i'm gonna steal a Braden quote here smooth transition Nice. <laughs> Jay, you have all kinds of, I've, like I said, I've seen, I've seen the trunk of your car. I've seen all the different gear and training stuff that you have. You, you pushed, you pushed my car. In fact, I have, pushed, I have pushed your car. car through the parking lots as well. Yeah. We've used your car as a training tool. Oh, that's um, nice. We did that one at UW with, uh, with, with Corey too. Yeah. So you have all these different training tools and, and, and toys and stuff like that. When you're playing around with them, I'm sure you got music playing. And so what sort of stuff have you been listening to in the last like week, let's say when you've been working out, throwing the Viper around doing, doing crazy stuff like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, if it's an early morning workout, like it was this morning, uh, I usually get into some kind of like EDM and, you know, get the, get the bass pumping a little bit and that gets the, gets, gets the juices flowing. Right. Um, you know, I have been watching uh, the new Last Chance U basketball uh, edition on Netflix, and that's that that school is based in California, and so a lot of the the music that they're playing in, in the you know background of, of the show is, is California uh, hip hop, right? And so you know that's got those juices flowing as far as California hip hop. The weather's getting a little nicer here too, and so um, yeah, I've been I've been listening to some some California hip hop, Dr. Dre and, and old Snoop Dogg and Nipsey Hussle and um, you know Kendrick Windows and things stuff. like that. Yeah, and, and 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 stuff like that with the windows down a little bit. And then uh, for the workouts, the EDM and, and the old school hip hop's been been powering those workouts. Um, what about you guys? Well, I got into the uh, Tommy told me to listen to the Hailstorm cover songs uh well two weeks ago i guess and then i just i just started listening to them um and i can report that my favorite is the is the 21 pilots heathens song that's that's my favorite from that from that list there um, so you've had that pro- on repeat i have week. not i've not had that on repeat actually <laughs> like when i when i went to the gym last week i was trying to find it on spotify but the there was only six of the songs on the on that spotify album and there's so many more cover songs that they have. So like, I just was listening to the rest of them this morning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. 
some good stuff there. Uh, but that podcast, or sorry, that that playlist led me to another band that I really like that I listen to just a, a little bit of, but I'm gonna dig into more when I'm in the gym is uh, Thousand Foot Crutch, which I don't know if you've listened to very much of them, Tommy. I've just heard that I've heard the name. I don't know if I can name a single tune, but I've heard of the band. Yeah, I know it's a I, thing. I like them a lot. I don't know how to describe their music. It's it's I don't know. It's like hard rock metal ish. It's not it's not like it's not your kind of metal. It's not thrash or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I can pull a little bit from uh, both of you here. So I, this is late to the party by the time this goes out. Um, but like Daft Punk retired like a month ago. Oh, I did so hear that. They're, yeah, they're done making that. music. They've, I mean, flawless career in my opinion. Everything they made was really great. And so I feel like just like when an athlete retires and you see highlight videos come out left, right, and center for that athlete, they've called it quits. And so I've been listening to their stuff more and more, but I really, really like Daft Punk. I love their, I love their music. And so Jay was talking about working out to EDM and there's a lot of Daft Punk stuff that I, that I love to work out to. And actually my favorite Hailstorm cover song is Hailstorm's cover of Get Lucky by Daft Punk. Pharrell Williams and Niles Roger. That's my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite cover song by them. So yeah, like I said, late to the party. Cause it's, they announced the retirement about a month ago, probably by the time this goes out, but uh, yeah, listening to Daft Punk. Yeah. That's a good one too. That was, that was up there on my list, but that's a good one too. So yeah. The listeners hopefully have a lot. They got, they got a whole week's worth of stuff they can listen to now. Mm-hmm. Got lots of ideas. Mm-hmm. yeah well good stuff i mean yeah that was that was a great talk uh so yeah thanks for coming on jay and and hopefully we'll have you back sometime and, and dig in a little bit more into that conditioning stuff when you got a little bit more data to work with and um yeah no i appreciate it guys yeah it's uh it'd be great to come back and, and yeah as i'm as i'm getting into the data yeah that's that's been a big piece of my role right now is, is digging through some of that and trying to figure out where our gaps are and uh yeah we'd love to come back anytime and then jay just for the listeners where can they find you on instagram or anything like that if they want to check out some of the stuff that you're doing or you know get more good ideas from you yeah for sure um i'm pretty active on uh, instagram dm me or i put you know it's a good mix of, of training stuff and, and uh you know, so the personal side as well, but uh, my handle is is J J Y underscore S P Coach. Um, same on Twitter, I think, maybe without the underscore, I can't remember. Uh, not super on Twitter, but I'm trying to get uh, a little bit more active uh, on Twitter. There's some good conversations that happen over there. So, um, yeah, reach out anytime, uh, and uh, hopefully, as we as we open up, um you know, be able to have you guys come by and, and see the facility and see what we're doing at Mac. Oh, I can't wait for that. I'm yeah, so excited to come back to Ontario and visit people. And yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, yeah. And then for, for the rest of us, uh, speed strength show speed strength performance and Braden Southern all on Instagram for, you know, whatever you want to let us know or ask us questions or get us to talk about something on future episodes um very open to all of that um yeah anything else from you from you two guys no just thank you to jay thanks for coming on it was awesome and 
looking forward to doing it again. No, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Again, you guys have been doing uh, doing such a great job with the podcast, and and looking forward to uh, where you guys continue to take it. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so that was the Speed Strength Show. Thanks for coming along, world. We'll see you next week. Peace.